This gospel message is brought to you by the Reformed Witness Hour, a ministry of the Protestant Reformed Churches in America, a Reformed denomination that strives to be faithful to the Word of God and the historic confessions of the Reformed faith, also known as Calvinism. In love for our great God, we proclaim the Christian faith and life that is founded on God's sovereign particular grace. As God's Word is expounded, we pray that these messages are a blessing to you. Dear radio listeners, we have learned that the first table of God's law requires love for God. Today we turn to the second table of the law regarding love for our neighbor. Here, too, we are being taught how to love God. We love God by loving his other children, our brothers and sisters in Christ. If I love my father, I must and will learn to love my brother and sister. The first commandment of this second table requires us to honor our parents and all in authority over us. The fifth commandment reads, Honor thy father and thy mother, that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. This first commandment of the second table teaches us two things. First, the home is the basic unit of society. The command regarding our view of authority specifically regards father and mother. Second, how we conduct ourselves in our home and how our parents raise us affects how we will live in society. Anarchy and rebellion in society, with each seeking his own, reflects how the children were raised. So this commandment is foundational to those that follow. All love for the neighbor proceeds from understanding the basic principles of the fifth commandment. The child of God and members of the Church of Christ have higher motives to keep this commandment than merely its benefit for society. God gave us our parents. By honoring them, we love our Heavenly Father. God recreated us in Christ. By honoring our parents, we manifest His grace. And as this is the first commandment with promise, God gave the promise and brings it to pass. By obeying this commandment, we show that we are seeking His blessing. So in the school of God's law today, we will be taught the fundamental principles that underlie this commandment. Then, we will see what is at the heart of the commandment, and we will be taught to look to Christ for both an example of obedience and the power to obey. As I speak to you this morning on the fifth commandment, honoring father, mother, and all in authority, we do so on the basis of the fifth commandment, as well as the instruction of Jesus Christ in Mark 7, pertinent passages in Mark 7 I will read presently. The first lesson to learn today is that the fifth commandment rests on a basic premise, and that basic premise is that God possesses all authority. When humans have some degree of authority, they received that authority from God and are to use that authority in a God-like way. Authority is a spiritual power. The authority of parents is not rooted in their size relative to the child. It is not a physical power. When a son becomes a six-foot-tall young man weighing 200 pounds, 
and his mother is a slim five-foot-four woman, the son is still to honor his mother as an authority. Authority comes from God. We don't take it to ourselves. For all authority is God's. He created the world by his own divine power, but in creating also determined how each creature should serve him. That right to govern and direct all of creation and all of history, he never gives up. He retains all authority. But he distributes that authority in measure in different spheres to earthly people. First and foremost, he gave authority to Jesus Christ to carry out the Father's will in saving his church. Only Christ had authority from God to become man to suffer and die on the cross, to satisfy God's justice on account of our sins, to rise the third day, to renew us and live in us to glorify Him. Christ also has authority in the church. Pastors, elders, deacons, and others who serve the church must remember that God gave them authority and must answer to Him for it. Christ also has authority in the world and state. As the Savior of the Church, Jesus Christ is the Lord of all creation and history. He puts men and women in positions of authority as he pleases. When a man and a woman have a child, God made them parents. So we read in Ephesians 6 that fathers are to raise their children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. When a governor or president, a member of any legislative or judicial body, is put in office, God gave them that office. We read in Romans 13, There is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. The word power in that verse has the idea of spiritual authority. When a person starts a business and hires people to help him carry it out, God gave him that position. We read in Ephesians 6 that masters are to treat their servants, realizing that their own master Christ is watching them. While he was on earth, Jesus Christ both lived and taught these principles that all authority is God's and comes from God. He knew that Joseph and Mary, the chief priests and the rulers of the Jews, and Pontius Pilate had authority over him. At times he questioned their use of authority, but never whether they truly had authority. He knew that it came from God. And he said to Pilate, John 19, verse 11, Thou couldst have no power at all against me, except it were given thee from above. He understood that his own authority to save and to judge came from God. And when he ascended into heaven, he expressed that he gave authority to his disciples, an instance of him delegating authority to others. The basic principle underlying the fifth commandment is this. All authority is God's, comes from God, and is to be used in the service of God. Now, the fifth commandment never uses the word authority, but it does refer to authority. It refers to father and mother. Nor does the commandment limit itself to our view of father and mother. Scripture commands us also to honor the king, Romans 13 and 1 Peter 2 to honor our elders, 1 Timothy 5, 
and even to honor widows and the weaker members of the body. When the fifth commandment commands us to honor father and mother, it does so in a figure of speech called metonymy, father and mother being the most basic authority, represent all authority. We are required then to honor them, to hold them in high esteem, to value them. To make the idea vivid, imagine an old scale, one that measured weight by putting a pound weight on one side and sugar or salt on the other side, so that the scale balanced. When the scale balanced, you have a pound of sugar or a pound of salt. Well, put your father and mother on one side of the scale. And then ask, how large a weight would you have to put on the other side to make them balance? I don't mean physically. I mean, what's your view of father and mother? To think lightly of them, not to think that a very great weight is needed to balance them, dishonors them. But to view them, that is to view their authority as weighty, as necessary, as beneficial, as worth their weight and more in gold and diamonds, is to honor them. And then do the same about Christ, your Lord and Savior, and honor him. At the same time, the commandment addresses those under authority, it implies that those in authority have callings. Various Proverbs, Ephesians 6, Colossians 3, indicate that the duties of parents are to teach, instruct, admonish, and rebuke. The duties of government, according to Romans 13, are to rule well and punish evildoers. The duties of masters are to provide fairly for their servants. All in authority are to use their authority in the fear of Jehovah God before whom they will stand. Already we see how sinful we are. Regardless of in what sphere we are under authority, we are prone to demand our way and force our parents, our employers to do as we please. And those of us in authority often want to use authority for our own advantage and purposes. But God says to Israel of the Old Testament and now to his covenant people in the New, I have saved you from sin's bondage. You are to live differently from the world around you as a people who have a new life in you. Serve Jehovah your God by honoring your authorities and using your authority in his service. We've seen the fundamental principle of the fifth commandment and now as we study in the school of God's law, we're going to turn our attention to a specific application that Christ gave in Matthew 15 and Mark 7. The occasion was the question why Jesus' disciples did not wash their hands before eating bread. The washing of hands was one of many rules that the Pharisees had imposed on the Jews. The Pharisees invented the rule, not with a view to good hygiene, but considering it to be a sign of holiness, and many other such rules made they. Jesus' answer was that the washing of hands, pots, and the like was a tradition of men. God did not require it. But God did require obedience to the fifth commandment, 
And this the Pharisees ignored. For the duty of the child is to honor his parents, and one application of this duty is that grown children support and care for their aged parents. The Pharisees, however, had another idea. If you had a savings account from which you could care for your parents, but if you designated the entire savings account as a trust fund for religious purposes, that's the idea of the word korban in Mark 7 verse 11, and having designated it as a trust fund for religious purposes, you could not use it to support your elderly parents. The Pharisees said, you were exempt from the requirement to honor them in this way. Jesus said, that is a refusal to obey the law of God. The Pharisees make many other laws, but will not keep God's law. From this special application that Christ makes, we learn three lessons. First, although we have social security and retirement homes and other means by which the elderly are cared for, we are obligated to provide for our own family members who are aged or sick. The Apostle Paul drives home this point in 1 Timothy 5, verses 4 through 8 as well. One who does not care for his own parents or family is worse than an unbeliever. Second, how quickly we make excuses for disobedience and think those excuses are plausible. How able we are to invent tricks by which we think we skirt the requirements of God's law. But God sees through those tricks. As Jesus exposed the error of the Pharisees, so God will expose our error. Third, how serious a matter is the keeping of the entire fifth commandment. The Old Testament law required that one who cursed his parents, that is, who despised or treated them lightly, be put to death. Today, too, God judges and punishes those who do not love and honor their parents and do not carry out our duties toward others in authority over us. We've seen that we sin easily against this commandment. Now let us see that our sins will bring on us God's curse. Our only hope is in Christ. And that leads us to a third point to underscore today as we study the law of God in school. And that is the saving example that Jesus Christ sets. One reason that our hope can be only in Christ is that he is perfectly righteous. He obeyed the law of God perfectly, including this commandment. He honored his parents. Luke 2.51 tells us that as a 12-year-old boy, he was subject to them. That means more than that he did what they told him so that he wouldn't get a whipping. It means that in his heart, he understood that they were his authority, and he showed himself to be under their authority in all things. That's why he obeyed them. Another instance of his obedience to this commandment we find when, on the cross, he assigned the care of his widow mother to his disciple John, who took Mary to live with him after that. Even as he stood before ungodly authorities, such as the chief priests and Pontius Pilate, Jesus acknowledged their authority over him. Some people suggest that Jesus did not always honor Mary, his mother, 
on several occasions, he called her woman. However, this was not an instance of dishonoring his mother. It was evidence that he viewed his relationship to his heavenly father as higher than his calling toward his mother. It did not cancel out his calling to honor Mary. It came before that calling. This obedience of Christ now to his heavenly father in particular led him to the death of the cross. Had he not been subject and obedient to God, if he had, as a child naturally does, sought himself, he would have refused to go to the cross. Why should he die when he did nothing wrong? But he knew why this was his father's will. God put on Christ the burden of our sin and guilt, and Christ must die the accursed death of the cross to satisfy the justice of the Father. Christ, in submission to his Father, willingly and fully bears the wrath of God. It cost him his life, but then he arose the victor over sin and death and the one who obtained salvation for us. If the earthly example of Christ's obedience is one aspect of the gospel of salvation in this connection, the resurrection of Christ is another aspect. For Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, takes up residence in our hearts, gives us the spiritual life, and rules in our hearts so that we have the power to follow this example. This is the point we must drive home. We have the power the spiritual grace to follow this example and keep this commandment. Let us drive the point home. You children who live at home with your parents must honor them, and that requires you to obey them in all matters as they require. To do what they told you to do is not in itself enough. If they told you how to do it, you must do it as they told you to do it. If you forget what they commanded you to do, that itself indicates the sinfulness of our nature in our failure to submit perfectly to them. When your parents punish you justly for something you've done wrong, you are to bear that punishment understanding that you deserved it and seeking to be corrected by it. Adults, we are to do the same toward pastors, Elders, deacons in the church, we are to be subject. When the policeman signals us to pull over, we are to do so. In the courtroom, we must acknowledge the authority that the judge has. We must understand that our president and our governor, not just the position of president and governor, but the specific people who fill that office, are there for a reason. God put them there. And we must pray for them, honor them, and bear patiently with their weaknesses. For they have weaknesses. In no way does the keeping of this commandment presume that our parents, church authorities, or civil authorities are always godly in every instance. But even when they are ungodly or unbelievers, we must honor them. It is possible to honor them as the authority God gave us while recognizing that they are wrong in certain areas. The power to do so comes from Christ, who also set the example. 
he stood before Pilate, who sentenced him to an unjust death and honored Pilate's authority. But then there's an application to us who are in authority. Having already been reminded that we are to use our authority in a way that pleases God, let us live every moment of our life as before His face. Let us therefore treat those under our authority with love and in gentleness to abuse those in authority under us or to abuse the authority that we've been given over them is sin. To think that those under authority must simply do as we tell them to do because we said to think that they exist for our sake. To think that because we have authority, we may say anything to them or do anything to them that we want. This is a wrong view of authority. Authority is a spiritual power according to which we direct aspects of other people's lives. But we must do so in love with a genuine concern for their well-being. Now you see why it takes God's grace in Christ and the new life of Christ to carry out this calling, whether we are under authority or in authority, only one who understands that God is sovereign and that authority has come from Him has the motivation to obey. Only one who is filled with God's grace in Christ has the power to obey. To this commandment as a gracious incentive for us to obey, God adds a promise of long life. For Israel, the idea of this promise was that obedient and submissive Israelites would live many years on earth and the nation would dwell long and at peace in the promised land. Again, the commandment, which first of all regards conduct in the home, has such a broad application that in the way of keeping it, the entire land would have peace. For us, the fulfillment of the promise is in heaven where we will live forever. There we will enjoy spiritual peace and rest. There we will live in a kingdom. Their authority will not be removed, but the ability to obey authority perfectly and the ability to use authority perfectly will be given us. What a beautiful promise. But we don't earn it nor does our obedience to the fifth commandment obtain it. Jesus Christ obtained it for us. He died on the cross and rose again and lives in our hearts to live unto God and to prepare us for heaven. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank Thee for Thy word and acknowledge that we so often abuse the authority Thou hast given us and view wrongly those authorities who are placed over us. Our sinful nature shows itself in many ways in this regard. We pray Thou wilt forgive our sins and sinfulness and give us to use the authority that Thou hast given in the fear of Thy name and to live to Thy honor and glory. Now hear our prayer and forgive our sins for Jesus' sake. Amen. The gospel message you have just heard 
was sponsored by the Protestant Reformed Churches through its radio program, The Reformed Witness Hour. We hope that you have been edified and encouraged by this message. If you would like more information about the Reformed faith or the Protestant Reformed Churches, feel free to visit our website at reformedwitnesshour.org or email us at mail at reformedwitnesshour.org.